All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. We'll get this one started by looking back on the NBA Finals as the Golden State Warriors defeated the Boston Celtics in six games, winning the final three, coming back from down two to one. Uh, We'll talk about how it all played out. We'll look ahead at what's next to the Celtics. We'll talk about the Warriors and where this dynasty stands among other great teams in NBA history. Uh, Just a, a lot of thoughts now a few days after the final buzzer sounded. And we'll also look ahead to the coming offseason, NBA draft starting this week. We have free agency coming up soon. We'll kind of give our thoughts on what are some of the storylines we're most interested in and teams that we really want to see what they end up doing in the next coming months. We'll also talk some Stanley Cup finals. Colorado Avalanche won the first two games, including a blowout winning game two. But the Tampa Bay Lightning followed up a 7-0 loss with a 6-2 victory of their own in Game 3. So certainly a series again. We'll give our thoughts on how that one's played out so far and what we expect over the final few games. And finally, we'll conclude this by talking about the U.S. Open. Matt Fitzgerald winning the 122nd edition at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. And Brian was there for Saturday, so we'll get... His thoughts on his experience at one of the biggest golf events every year. So with that, let's get started. So it took 65 games too long, but the Pirates finally called up O'Neill Cruz this weekend. And he uh, was he was unreal on Monday night. It's crazy to think a 6'7 shortstop who was just like an athletic freak would have a huge impact on a, a major league team. But of course, he comes up. He has, in, in the first inning, he, or second inning, his first at bat, he reaches on an error, which I think some people, I don't know if they were joking or serious when they said that he basically baited Jonathan Villar, like intimidated him, and um, which should have been a double play ball, ended up bases load, nobody out. And then next guy hits a two-run single, put the Pirates up 2 nothing, And then Cruz in the third inning, he throws a 96.7 mile an hour like ball to throw at a guy at first, fastest throw by any player in Major League this season, like an infielder. And then he ropes a 112.9 mile an hour bases clearing double, put the Pirates up seven nothing in the third inning. This offense has been horrendous all year. They end up winning 12 to one with Cruz having four RBIs in the game, going two for four. And I'm happy about it. I'm just very frustrated that this team held him down for service time manipulation because, like, they could be so much more fun to watch this year, and they just haven't been fun at all. I had to reach out to you about the. Jason Delay call up. Yeah, I mean that's I don't, I don't, is he is that guy any good? No, no, he's not there anymore. I think he was like <laughs> a just, one day like yeah. I mean they they've been they've had all these like random guys that they've just brought onto the roster just as fill ins while 
holding down a guy like Cruz so that way they can save money down the road. Which, like, I get it with baseball's economic state. It's just, it's just. Frustrating. I just love the name. Just, I just love the name just because. Yeah, the Rangers. He's on the Pirates, where Jason Bay mm-hmm. used to oh, play true, for, yeah. and just happens to have this very similar name. And I just like the last name. Like to think he gets called Rain Delay as a nickname. And... <laughs> this is a terrible nickname. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Oh yeah. Yeah, Oneal Cruz is a good name. No, I, I'm I'm excited to see what he does from here. I'm not worried about what his next move is after Pittsburgh, but um, trying to be optimistic about the Pirates has been very difficult this season because they have shown zero interest in competing at the major league level, and I just don't understand and why they're not in last. They're not in last because the NL Central is the worst division in baseball. Just like even more frustrating that this team is like they're not close to the number one pick right now. They're like the seventh worst record in the league. If they just had like slightly better talent on the major league roster, like made moves in free agency, called up their top prospects, they could be somewhat competitive. And I don't know if they'd be a playoff contender, but when six teams make it and most of the National League sucks, it can't totally rule it out. They had the first pick last year, right? They did have the first pick last year. It was a catcher that they picked. Yeah, Henry Davis, Louisville. Right, that's it. That's that's what I was thinking of. He's their new number one prospect now that Cruz. I'd imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Uh So, yeah. Um, Anyway, let's go and uh, talk about another team that is uh, kind of frustrating, but way way worse. Um, You know, disappointing to have a team lose a championship, and that's that's what happened to the Celtics, going up two to one in the NBA Finals, only to lose three straight to the Golden State Warriors. And it's been a few days now, but you know I'm sure it still stings as much as it did when it first happened. Oh, yeah. I certainly have mixed feelings about this season for the Celtics mm-hmm. because back in January, they were... They had they were under 500. They weren't yeah, even they were in the play-in. 11th in the East, yeah. 11th in the East. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, they turned things around and they had... A, an amazing second half to the season, and and then they make it all the way to the NBA Finals. And so when you look back on how the season was at one point, I guess you can call it a success. But for me personally, I can't help but think, man, you were up 2-1 to one in this series, and you were winning with a few minutes left to go in Game 4, and you certainly could have made it a 3-1 lead. And I know 3-1 to one is a... <laughs> a thing where like oh it's a dangerous lead to have because if you let the team back in it you're all gonna be all these three to one memes especially with the warriors uh and yeah it. i mean hey they're the only team to blow a three to one lead in the finals so, yeah you know so but still though like that that hurts uh to look back on because game four was certainly a turning point in the series with mm-hmm. steph curry having a steph curry kind of performance in game four where he puts the team on his back and his lights out from three and and then the rest is history with game five and game six yeah and I think it's frustrating because it's easy to feel like the Celtics overachieved this season just because of how bad things were for the majority of the first half it was really until the end of January right before the trade deadline where they started to win a few games and they make some moves and all of a sudden, they start playing much better basketball in February, March, end of the season, twenty-eight and seven, number one offensive rating, number one defensive rating, the two seed in the East, and it's like, okay, this is awesome what they just did. I still don't know how to compare them to some of the other teams in the East, but they they ended up getting a very fortunate path to the finals, taking down three teams that eliminated them in the three previous seasons, and. 
yeah, it's like you can say it was just making the NBA Finals was a huge success, but when you're up 2-1 to one in the finals against a Warriors team who, going into this, I thought were as much more evenly matched with the Celtics. And it feels like the Celtics with a talented team, they just kept shooting themselves in the foot and kind of gave away the finals as much as the Warriors won it. Yeah, I so beginning of the series, I picked the Celtics to win the series one because... Either way, I was going to be right because if like, oh, the Celtics won great, but oh, the Warriors won. Well, that's the team I picked. The yeah, right. Here. So, I, so that is a, another a, thing. A, a like, giant we have to feel some some kind of like validation yeah. for being as high on the Warriors as we have been the past few years. So exactly. So that's that's part of it. But on the another reason why I picked the Celtics in this series is because I really believe that the Warriors were just not the same as they used to be. Where I and I and I felt like that for the first few games into the series too, where I felt like it was really. Okay, Steph Curry, he's still a superstar. He's still a top five player in this league, and he's still amazing. But you know, Clay, even even after winning the series, Clay, okay, he had one or maybe two good games in the series, but I don't think he was that great. And no, then, not at all. Not the same player that he used to be prior to his injuries. And then Draymond, he was if there was a vote for least valuable player in the first three games, I would have given it to him. And and I'm a, I'm a I'm a Draymond fan, uh-huh. like I'm, <laughs> like I have, which is not uh, some, something many people, Celtics fans would say, but uh, I actually do like Draymond. But he oh yeah, terrible I, in the I, first few games. I think you games. and I both felt the same way about him. Where it's like I totally get why Celtics fans are hating him and why they were yeah. you know yelling obscenities at him and during Game Three and continued that. But yeah, he was awesome in the last three. Offensively, maybe not, but he was a huge presence on the defensive side of the floor. Um, you know, his passing has always been a strength of his game and. Andrew Wiggins, what? I think, is the the big. Oh one, yeah, and though. Andrew Wiggins had the game of his life in Game yeah. Five. That's that's the game where I thought to myself, okay, this game is over because Game Four, okay, the Celtics are up two to one, and any time I I swear throughout this postseason, there have been times where it's like, all right, like they have control of the series, all they gotta do is win this next game, and they're like, this is theirs for the taking. But then all of a sudden, they they're sloppy with all these turnovers, and they end up giving one away. Uh, to their opponent but so i i figured game four it's like all right like this is kind of what i expect i even bet golden state in game four that's really? how yeah oh, wow. i did <laughs> not as a hedge just like i've yeah. seen this with the Celtics so many times it's like yeah like they're they're not gonna win this game but game five i i'll admit i bet the celtics and because i really thought they would respond because mm. we've seen them that record like oh look at them after a loss they haven't had back-to-back losses since january but yeah which, no they they yeah. ended up uh losing and that was the game that really concerned me, where I was like, all right, this series is over. Golden State is winning it, uh, and probably in six, which is what happened. And mm-hmm. the reason why I was so concerned about that game is not because they lost, but the way they lost that game. Steph Curry went 0 for 9 from 3, and their yep. starters outside of Clay, I think they were like 0 for 19 from 3, something crazy. Yeah, and no, everyone was missing threes for Golden State. The Golden State was struggling from 3, and, and, you didn't, and Steph Curry wasn't his typical self like he was in other games and they still lost convincingly in that game and that's what the Warriors needed they needed a game from someone outside of Steph Curry to win that series and they yeah, got exactly Wiggins that with, yeah, from Wiggins in game five mm-hmm. which is and that was after 17 and 16 in game four and then um look it, like Andrew Wiggins is not a scrub he's no an he's not uh-huh. but if well, if Tatum is getting outplayed by Andrew Wiggins, that's 
it, it's over. <laughs> he wasn't a deserving All Star. You know, I think Warriors fans they they did their thing to vote him into the game as a starter. He's still a very good he's player. a good player, he's but a, he's really not like he's a he's good not someone that you should. Yeah. He's not someone that Tatum should be outplayed by. No, he had and, another and, 18 in game six. Like any, there are some people who are like Wiggins should have won MVP. He got robbed. Like I, I disagree no, with that. D- I think- no, <laughs> Steph Curry deserved yeah. it. I don't care if he sucked in game five. He uh, absolutely deserved it. And look, the Warriors, they showed that they're the better team. Uh, one because uh, the Celtics just turned the ball over so mu- so much. I don't understand. So game four eight, or game five, 18 turnovers. Like, all right, this is a, the formula for the Celtics is you don't turn the ball over, you win. You turn yeah, the ball over, you lose. Yeah, all they got to do is not turn lose. the ball over. How, how, how hard could that be? 22. easy. And then 22 <laughs> in game six in a must-win game. Going 21 nothing run, allowing a 21 nothing run in the first half. I, I just don't understand. Like, it, for them to come out and play like that in game six. And it, it's a stat that the whole world knows. And to me, it seems like, yeah, that makes sense. If you turn the ball over, you're more likely to lose. If you don't, then you're more likely to win. I mean, it applies to every sport. If you make mistakes, and especially the, the unforced errors, it's not going to go well for you. But obviously, the Celtics, it's a correlation unlike any other team because <laughs> that's all we heard about all series, and it proved true. Yeah, that, that that stat where if they turned it over sixteen or more times, they were like zero and eight in the postseason, and and then if if they if they didn't turn it over sixteen times, they basically I think they only had, had two uh, losses, like yeah, a, you was, know, fourteen and two or something. Yeah, it was basically the opposite. So when it got later and later in the postseason, I was just keeping a turnover tracker. Like when when they get yeah, to sixteen, it's stats, over. Yeah. All right, time to turn. And it game off. six was just pitiful. Twenty one nothing run. I literally just changed the channel I tapped out and like this is over and so that was a huge concern of course for the Celtics one of the reasons why they lost another thing is I think the Warriors they just play with so much more edge than the Celtics because we saw after game three the Celtics fans I'm I'm not blaming them or blaming us but you know they're chanting F you Draymond and and that kind of motivated uh, the it, it definitely the, the Warriors a little bit. And then you uh-huh. you see the sign outside a restaurant where Aisha Curry can't cook, and Steph Curry he's even that gives him a little bit more motivation. And and where he called himself the Petty King, like any when you're when you're as successful as the Golden State Warriors are, you got to find some sort of motivation to keep winning. Because uh, mm-hmm. if, if you're already at the top, well, oh yeah, it's easy had, to be complacent. I, I totally yeah, get and, that. Things like that were big motiva- motivational factors for Golden State, but also, hey, you know what? They've been pretty bad the last two seasons uh, for obvious reasons of not having Steph and not having Clay for two years. And people are saying, oh, you know, it's over for Golden State, their dynasty. It's uh, it's 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 over for them. KD, uh, he helped them win those uh, other championships and. Uh, there's no way Golden State can come back. And then they, they end up coming back, of course, and they win it all. And so there are a lot of motivational factors for Golden State. While for the Celtics, I don't know, I just wish they had more edge than the Gol- than the Warriors because the Warriors definitely have that. Yeah, it is them. pretty incredible how Golden State, after the past two seasons, like following that five-year stretch of making the finals every year, winning three, was able to come out this year and actually win it all. Because I know it's kind of easy to be like, yeah, Golden State, bring back Klay Thompson, have a healthy Steph Curry. Like they will be that team that they were a few years ago. I think you and I 
both agreed on that, but there were a lot of people who didn't believe that. They, there were plenty of people who thought, no, Kevin Durant's gone. Like, this isn't the same team. So I do really want to give the Warriors their, their due. Like, I don't want this just to be, like, complaining about the Celtics the whole time because it is it is pretty incredible. And uh, I wish that this happened against any other team. I wish that Steph finally got his final MVP against any other Eastern Conference team. It's just it's disappointing that it had to be the Celtics. It's a weird situation for me where I'm, like, have my favorite team in a championship going up against one of my favorite players. Like the Warriors are a team that I, I've I rooted for for a long time. I don't time. mind the, I don't hate the Warriors. I, I didn't I, hate them I, at all. I, I, I didn't care I, when I Kevin like, Durant's I like, uh, I still rooted I just, for The only time the I hated them was th- those years of Durant. I just, I can't, I couldn't stand those years. Where <laughs> and I, I get it. An automatic like, championship for them the second they brought him in. It's like yeah, that, the, that I, mean, I hated, but. That I like Steph, I like Clay, and I, I, like, so. I like Draymond. I like all of them. They're guys. a very likable team. I mean, I think yeah. you can make the case that Steph Curry is the most likable superstar in the league. And we probably said the same thing about Giannis last year, but I don't know. No, I'm, after still, that, I'm still even the honest, but... I feel like after that series Steph against... Steph Curry could be cocky, but at the same time, he, he deserves to be cocky. <laughs> well, I think the one thing with Giannis is, I mean, when you face him, like, you're just complaining about things not getting called and him getting away with stuff like how many offensive fouls did he commit versus like actually get called for in that seven game series against Celtics yeah the way he plays he probably gets away with more things than he probably should so that that is probably the one thing I can think of well and that's my argument for Curry is I think people are just awed by him I think that at this point everyone collectively agrees that he's the greatest three-point shooter of all time i don't think there's anyone who's yeah. still saying oh ray allen or reggie miller like i don't think anyone's he, he really benefits making that argument he benefits from playing in this era because i mean look ray allen and, and reggie miller and others are also great shooters but they didn't get to play in this era and if they did they their three-point totals would be much higher it probably would be for sure i think the thing with steph was just how he can create his own shot versus some of That's those other guys too. who are better spot up shooters, like just the things that he's able to do. Um, to me, that's why. Like even though in, he's in this era, he still has plenty of career left. Like he's going to be way past those guys in terms of total threes. So another reason why I picked the Celtics to win the series, Golden State. Not only are they a little bit, even though they won it all, not only are they a little bit vulnerable this year, but they're only going to get better. <laughs> They're going to be like if I had to pick right now, gun to my head, who I'd pick next year to win it all, I'd pick Golden State again because they're going to have the same core guys. But then they also have a lot of lottery picks like James Wiseman, second overall, a, a center that could help <laughs> the Warriors even more. Uh, he would be huge wise. if he can stay healthy. Like, that, and then, and that's then they have this problem. And then they have Jonathan Kaminga. When they drafted him, I was like, "Who the heck is this guy?" But I because he was a few G times League I've seen, guy. Yeah, uh-huh. but the few times I've seen him play, is like this guy is really good too. Yeah, and then he was Moses seventh Moody, overall he was, pick. Yeah, Moses Moody also he a was great pick. at Arkansas, and I'm sure those guys will help a lot for them next. Yeah, season. I mean that I'm like really intrigued to see what Golden State does with those guys because you can make the point that well they won without these young players. Like, does it? What do they do with them moving forward? But at the same time, I understand that's super easy to think, yeah, you add these young guys to the mix, they're just going to keep this thing going along, assuming that they all actually reach their potential as high lottery picks. So, but yes, I, I totally understand that. And I think it, with the Celtics, it's it's tough to say like what you think moving forward. Because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're still young. Like This is a core that... It feels like, okay, they needed to lose before they could win. But historically, these young cores, we've seen guys 
go to the finals together, and then they just never get back. I don't. I'm worried that the Celtics. Look, I still think they'll be great next season. They'll win 50, 60 games maybe, and and they'll maybe maybe they'll come out of the East again. I don't know. I'm I'm worried that they'll be the OKC Thunder. That's yeah, what I'm. No, I totally about. get it. And well, where they're this young core, like oh they'll be back, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden they don't get back, and then they break it up and it's over. Yeah. Uh, and and you see OKC. OKC, they're now restarting, rebuilding with all these draft picks, and they even have the second overall pick uh, in Thursday's draft. But yeah, so that worries me about the Celtics is that like this felt like their time, and because okay, so yes, yeah, you got to lose maybe before you win, but I don't know. They've made all these Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, they've had plenty of experience, even though they're obviously not as experienced as Golden State. But who knows how if they can get back or not? Because the East, they'll get better with. You know, Milwaukee, they'll obviously have Middleton back. And then who knows what Miami will do if they pick up another piece with along with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And and then there, there, are, there are several good teams in the East, but I still like the Celtics uh, to come out of the East. But the team that worries me is still Golden State. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know right now. I think it's hard to, like, actually it's too early, I know. Because there is just... so many moving parts that have to happen. And Celtics still make changes at, at this point. I think the Celtics, like, I, Brad Stevens says, I, we need more bench scoring. It was, I think that was a huge weakness in this series. What was it, game so, five, where they had four total bench points before, like, the last yeah, two minutes? Pritchard and Grant Williams, outside of game one for Pritchard, uh, I, I, those guys were useless in this series. Mm-hmm. And the and Derek White was pretty. It was also good in Game One, but yeah, they they got really. Oh, I mean, the bench. bench was awesome in Game One. Like that was how they got that fourth quarter comeback, and then yeah. the rest of the series there was just no help. I mean, it was basically a I don't know six man rotation of guys who were actually able to do anything. Which in the NBA Finals, you're playing most of your starters forty plus minutes anyway. But you you need to you can't just have those guys come off and then you all of a sudden you get outscored on a huge run. Even though I believe the Celtics were the more talented team entering this series, and even if they did win, I'm still thinking to myself, yeah, you still got to add a little bit more to this team, especially bench-wise. With I think they got to add another three-point shooter. I don't know who that is. I mean, just just name. I don't care who it is. Like I'm talking about profiles. They need another three-point shooter, maybe a three-and-D guy, and then they could use a point guard just given that Marcus Smart isn't a pure point guard. He's a mm-hmm. it's really more of a defender. And I the mad times that we had to watch Jalen Brown just dribble into the lane and then just turn the ball over. <laughs> it's, like, it's like watching me drive into the lane. Uh-huh. He that's his <laughs> offensive thing. He needs to learn how to dribble a basketball. Like that's yeah, that's his off season. So uh, yeah, having a point guard that could dribble the ball better, but also put Brown and Tatum and others in the best uh position. Kind of like that Rondo role that he had uh in the last era with the Pierce Garnett and Ray Allen era where he was the floor general main facilitator, like something like someone like that uh, would help the Celtics. I think it all comes down to though, even though I believe those two things, I think it all comes down to Tatum because I really think he was the biggest reason why they lost this game is that he would, he just, he shrunk in the biggest Mm -hmm. moments uh, of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, Really disappointing to see because I, I think he was very solid for most of the playoffs up until this NBA Finals. And the Celtics lost game one, or they, they won game one despite Jason Tatum being awful. And everyone's like, oh, they stole this game. Tatum's just going to be better the rest of the series. And he was. I felt that, I felt that too. And 
as the series went on, I'm thinking, all right, when when is Tatum going to have a Tatum kind of game? And he, he did never not have one game never did. where he was like, oh, it was his game. It's not, he didn't have any sort of game where it was like game six versus Milwaukee where he took over the game. Yeah. One of those. No, it was, he just had like a lot of games where I think he was still the leading scorer, but he didn't score at all down the stretch of any of these games. Like he just yeah, he, went quiet in the biggest moments. And Jalen Brown, look, even though he turns the ball over a little bit too much and has horrible a horrible handle, I, I I thought he was I thought he was good. I thought he was maybe better than good, maybe great for uh for the beginning part of the series, for the games one through three, and then even game six, even though game six was a train wreck for the most part, I thought I thought guys like him and Horford showed up. Yeah, I agree uh, but, with that. I think I mean Jalen Brown he he had thirty four points just like Curry. He was twelve for twenty three from the floor. Curry was twelve for twenty one. I mean they basically put up identical stats. It's just Brown is on the losing end. I think Jalen Brown was the best player on the Celtics in this series. I don't know too. if that's the winning formula to winning a championship. You probably need Tatum to be the number no, one guy. No, you need more from your best player. Uh, <laughs> but I like Jalen Brown. He plays with more edge than Tatum, and I know Tatum is kind of a quiet passive guy but uh i don't know just i think he'll be motivated this summer because he's gonna hear about he's already hearing it uh from people and probably will hear about it for a while about how he blew it in this nba finals and you saw all the memes where uh he's like he's texting kobe and he's like oh i got you today yeah. and then it'll, it'll show like a fake text is like like don't ever reach out to me again <laughs> yeah oh tatum is getting a ton of hate like there are a lot of people who are making a lot of uh comments about him about the celtics in general them being frauds like they shouldn't have gotten there i guess my question do you think if chris Middleton stays healthy milwaukee goes back to the nba finals possibly i'm not gonna say definitively yes or no but it certainly could have been a different outcome if Middleton did play so i think that the celtics path to the finals was one that they they should have taken advantage of by winning a championship. Yeah, even though like, e- even though it was Brooklyn, uh, Milwaukee, and Miami, like it, at at first when you hear that, it's like how impressive. That's so impressive that they did that. But you know the the Brooklyn Nets they have their issues. They didn't have James Harden or Ben Simmons. So like, they, and of course beyond that, then, like that that team was a mess. There weren't. Yeah, as- beyond that, KD was certainly frustrated with. The Celtics defense, and then Kyrie is just Kyrie. You know my feelings on him. And then, yeah, versus Milwaukee, they didn't even have Middleton, and it still won seven games. And then Miami, yes, they're a one seed, but after Jimmy Butler, it's well, like they, so they had Jimmy Butler really and Bam Adebayo, but they were without a healthy Tyler Hero and a healthy Kyle Lowry for all seven games. They still oh, I forgot seven about Tyler Hero yeah. too. Yeah, I mean Hero missed what game five and game six. Lowry was and hurt he killed to start the Celtics the in the bubble. Yeah. No, I think it's it's very fair to say, well, the Celtics did have a pretty solid path to get to the finals, and I don't think it takes away from anything at all. But I will say that around this time, at a month or so because of the delay in the season, we were having a similar conversation about the Phoenix Suns. Suns, Anthony Davis gets hurt in game four with the Lakers up two to one, and the Suns win three in a row. And then in the second round, the Suns play a Nuggets team that doesn't have Jamal Murray. They're able to sweep them with just Jokic and nobody else, basically. Um, and then in the Western Conference Finals, they play a Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard. And then in the NBA Finals, they go up against a Bucks team that, for all intents and purposes, was healthy. I know Giannis got hurt, but he was still playing 40 minutes a night for six games. And, um, 
you know, that was where they fell short. And I think you can kind of draw similar comparisons to the Celtics and the Warriors, um, you know, versus the previous path that the Celtics had, whereas like they finally played a team that was pretty much mostly healthy. I mean, James Wiseman was out all year, so I don't really consider him a factor in that. And that was the team that the Celtics lost to. And I think it was easy to be like, well, that was the Suns' chance, you know, that everybody's going to be healthier and better next year. And what happens? The Suns end up as the number one seed in the Western Conference. And I know they had a horribly embarrassing Game 7 loss in the second round, and you can ask, oh, what could have been? But that that didn't stop the Suns. They they got even better. So, yeah, I don't know if the same thing will happen to the Celtics, but I think that's something to kind of believe in like okay they had that experience and yeah they took advantage of other teams not being 100 percent like they were but um you know it didn't stop the suns from doing the same thing a year later i'm open to anything that outside of tatum and brown obviously that's your core and that's mm-hmm. who you build around but I'm, I'm open to pretty much anyone else okay okay well not horford either because he's a great veteran and i'd be kind of weird yeah he's on a one-year but, deal i mean i he's yeah, someone who like, has been in plenty of uh proposed trades that i've seen just because of his salary not, but not, not saying he's untouchable i'm just uh, saying it'd be kind of weird to, to trade him uh after just trading for him a year what about ago. rob williams yeah i'd be open to it but i he's their best defender so if he stayed healthy i think i would have voted for i i would have picked him if I were a voter, I mean, I would have voted for him instead of Smart if he stayed healthy all year. Because I think he's their best defender. I think he makes such an impact uh, underneath the basket. And uh, But at the same time, how much can you rely on him health-wise? Now, I agree. this health year, is though, always an issue. He, he played through the injury. And mm-hmm. that's another guy that I definitely think more highly of after this year yeah Um, he played through the injuries but at the same time you could tell he wasn't 100 percent. like it was there were times where he was really struggling to get game seven versus miami that was when i was like dude this guy should not be on the court yeah (laughs) yeah so i mean i'm that's a tough one for me i don't i wouldn't want to give up on williams ever staying healthy because of how good he can be when he is on the court that one's tough i i also lean with try to do whatever you can to keep him if they were to get Beal, like who would they? They would, and and if you don't trade Tatum and Brown, like you would have to trade some sort of combination of Smart, Rob Williams, and whatever. And I don't, that would make your defense so much worse. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't do that. That makes I don't your think offense this, better, of course. But, I don't think the Celtics but, need need Bradley Beal. I don't think that they need like a third scoring I think, guy. Like I think they need. I'm already kind of repeating myself, but another like true spot up, true point guard. Another true, yeah. another true one true point guard. A true three-point shooter, someone like JJ Redick, not obviously not exactly him, but like yeah. someone like him, someone that fits that profile. Uh-huh. But the biggest thing I really comes down to is Tatum can't uh, fold in the biggest moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, and hopefully that's something he learns from. Like, I definitely think the Celtics could mostly run back the same roster and be in really good shape next year. But you know, you always want to make you little admit, you tweaks. Can't, you can't just do nothing mm-hmm. and say, "Oh, this is the same team that we almost <laughs> uh-huh. won with." We're gonna run the, back the same thing. Like, no, you gotta add a little bit more yep. to the roster. I agree. You have to make some make changes, some, make some few tweaks. I don't think they need to do anything crazy, by like yeah. you know, like trading. People for keep talking like about Bradley Beal, Beal, and I'm just like, this is not gonna happen. No, I, I just don't. I don't think it. It's a need. Like, I, I don't think that that's the direction the Celtics should go to try to get over the top. Uh, they need they need smart to shoot less <laughs> because yeah. that was yeah. so I, I'm obviously 
not the biggest Marcus Smart fan, but he deserves a lot of credit for their turnaround. And now, maybe part of it was because they were uh, telling him that he was going to be traded. Maybe that motivated <laughs> him to play better. But uh-huh. the big one of the biggest reasons for their turnaround is because Smart bought into his role and became more of a passer. His assist numbers went up and his shot numbers went down. But in this finals and parts of the playoffs, he kept... He constantly kept shooting the ball, and that needs. I, I wish he fully bought into his role through the whole year, uh, because I, I think if Marcus Smart realized what his true skill set was, then I think it could have been a, a different outcome, possibly. Yeah, that's another thing. I, I think Smart was more of a, a negative than a positive in the NBA finals for the most part. And there were plenty of times in the playoffs where he, he was like a big reason why they lost certain games. He was a huge reason why they won when he was, you know, playing within his role. But, uh, you know, the but obvious there were times like game the, five versus Milwaukee. Yeah, I say, that was the like, obvious was, one. Literally threw away the game. Uh-huh. They almost threw away game seven versus Miami too. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Putting up shots at really careless Only times. for him to hit two free throws to ice the game at the end. But that that's yeah, so, always been the Marcus Smart. We know it's, it's, a, it's a roller coaster for sure. And I'm uh, certainly the one I'm certainly one that does not enjoy it. But uh, but I, with that being said though, I'm less inclined to trade him just now than I used to be, just given how he performed the second half and he won defensive player of the year and and is a big reason why the Celtics have one of the best defenses in the league. And I think they, I think it's more minor moves like what I've already talked about. Mm-hmm. And then just hoping, again, Tatum uh, doesn't suck <laughs> in the biggest moments. Yeah, I mean, if the Celtics get back to the NBA Finals, then we can talk about that then. But yeah, um, I guess so just kind of shifting back to the Warriors. So this is now their fourth championship in eight years. I guess, how do you stack up this Warriors dynasty against some of the other ones we've seen in NBA history? And I think it's tough because we don't know where it, like if it's yeah, at the I, end, I, like it's gonna keep going. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I I don't know how to rank all this stuff. Like when it comes to dynasties, like yeah, they're like they are a dynasty. Like they, I would put them up with like the Spurs one and nineties Bulls, sixties well, that, Celtics. That's like that's like number one. Oh yeah, like I put nineties Bulls number one as well. I mean, like, six championships in eight years. I think it, I don't know why Michael Jordan went to play minor league baseball, but I think if that doesn't happen, they probably win eight in a row. Like that's how dominant that gross. team was. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I put them above the Celtics teams that won what eleven out of thirteen just because there were what, like eight teams in the league back then. It wasn't yeah, and, it wasn't the same type pl- of NBA. Yeah, and they were playing guys at the Y for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it was very, very different era. And like I, I don't want to discredit that team just because somebody like they were dominant. They were the best of the best back then there's just there's less competition i think it's i I put them a little lower because of that the uh the like spurs is a weird one because you say 99 to 2014 or does a 2014 an outlier you stop it in 07 and even then that spurs team is like no i'd still say 14 because like duncan yeah he was part of like his whole career basically but yeah yeah, i mean that's i know what you mean it's It's a little bit farther off from the other Uh ones but and then there's the Lakers one with uh, Kobe and Shaq, and then before that, Kobe. the Magic and Kareem Lakers, too. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, they're, they're, they're they are nice. Lot. I have uh, no idea how to rank it outside of like they're not the nice the the '90s Bulls, but like other than that, yeah, sure, like have at it. 
I think uh, you can say that, well, the 2017 Warriors might have been, like, the best team in NBA history. You could say that about the 2016 Warriors, like, before that 173 games and... I hate I hate that p- part of the Golden State history so much. Of just having <laughs> Kevin Durant, they, uh, they literally won the first fifteen games. Yeah, they, they started played fifteen in that and zero. Finally, they literally lost, lost once. Game four. It was so dumb. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but with this championship that they had without KD, um, certainly, uh, much more likable version of them. Much more likable team, mm-hmm. and it's probably one of their most impressive, arguably their most impressive championship from just given how the last couple of years went and yeah like <laughs> clay finally coming back first even to worst again, the first just like yeah yeah crazy turnaround and here so here's a, a take i have so i think that we've kind of acknowledged that the warriors after seth curry is a bigger drop-off than past warriors teams is it fair to say that this warriors team like seth curry won with like the least amount of help since I don't know the 2011 Mavericks and Dirk Nowitzki, because Andrew Wiggins is their number two. I know he was an All Star starter, but like I said, that was just because fans was jokingly voted in him series. in. Clay Thompson is not the same player he has been. Draymond is he's not a an offensive you know weapon or anything. Just like last no, year, no, he's not. He's not the same either. Yeah, yeah. What I like Giannis about Draymond, said, uh-huh. what I like about Draymond is. Uh, he competes and he unlike Marcus Smart does buy into his role where he doesn't need to score to make an impact. Yeah, I think he was a little disappointed about getting benched in the fourth quarter of game 4, that, that, but that was noticeable how He also uh, was big Kevon when Looney. he was on the floor on defense, so. Yeah. But but with that being said though, like yeah, Draymond and Clay, they're not the same players as they were 6 years ago when they went 7-3. And nine, yeah. So like, so you can't make a case that yeah. No, Giannis like, had Middleton and Holiday. Through the first four games of the series, through the first four games of the series, I still thought the Celtics were going to win because even though like it took a Steph Curry forty plus point performance for him to win that game, I'm thinking to myself, man, if they just limit Steph, like they're not getting enough help out of it. Even though they have plenty of talent uh, throughout the roster, they weren't getting enough out of guys not named Steph Curry no in game five he did get a lot of help in a so to answer your question like yeah like he did uh it was impressive a really impressive performance that he was I don't want to say completely by himself but kind of yeah I mean I I don't want to argue that he was totally on an island or anything because he did get he did get help it was just like his number two, it wasn't number enough three until options. really game five. Yeah, his number two Wiggins. and number three options are not comparable to some of these other guys, like Kawhi Leonard having Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam in 2019. You'd obviously the Warriors don't need to explain how that a uh, big four was, and then I would LeBron I would, had Kyrie if, and uh, if, Kevin uh, Love. If if in 2015, if, if the if the Cavs won that series, then yeah, no, you're right. Like LeBron, LeBron, LeBron had four, and it, he had four Finals votes. Yeah, I mean, he was he, the he leading, won it he all. was the leading almost, scorer in every single like in all five major categories. So. He almost won Finals MVP in a loss. So I, that that would have been my pick if they won, but he didn't. So that's that's why. And then 2014, that Spurs team, Kawhi Leonard won MVP. He had Duncan, Manu, and Tony Parker. The Heat in 2013 and 2012 with their big three, and then yeah, 2011 Dirk Nowitzki. Like I, I don't, I don't even remember who his number two option was. 
Like was it? What about Jason 06 Kidd, with but... uh, Wade? <laughs> he had Shaq. I know, but Shaq was not the same. He was like, he still was like a good. really good player in 06. You know, he wasn't Lakers Shaq, but he I'm wasn't just thinking like, out loud. Like, he I wasn't don't, like I don't, Celtics. I don't. And I don't, I don't really Shaq. know. <laughs> no, I mean, I I think that it, it's been a really long time, and I think it just makes it even more impressive. Like what what Steph did leading this Golden State team. And, you know, on one hand, it kind of sucks to say that because it's like, well, the Celtics just lost to a team that, you know, they're not your prototypical NBA champion. But at the same time, it is just looking at it as an unbiased perspective. Yeah, it is still Golden State. It's still Steph Curry, but it's still like really, really great feat. And um, I think it's very reasonable for people to be putting Steph Curry in, uh, you know, conversations with all time greats at this point, just what he's been able to accomplish throughout his career. I still look at it as a collapse more than. A, I agree. No, I, mean, it was, I, no, it was I do agree. Amazing performance yeah. by Steph, but I still can't help. The me. Celtics did. Yes, they did. Literally, give it away. Forty turnovers in the last two games is just disgusting. It's absurd. <laughs> it, it it just hurts having two two of my favorite teams in the same building in the past three years choke away the championship in their own building. <laughs> yeah. No, it's and, tough. I mean, you really say, well. I don't know um, if you count the 2013 team. They're like Game six sucked, but they still had to go to Chicago for game seven. Yeah, and, and the Blackhawks were an absolute, uh, like, sp- speaking of dynasties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, they were, that, yeah. That's another one. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but yeah, it just hurts because it's the, the fact that they lost in their own building. And mm-hmm. unlike the Bruins, at least the Celtics have a window where, like, the Bruins, oh, yeah. that was it for them. But uh-huh. hopefully, yeah, the Celtics. Take advantage of it. Exactly. No, get get one ring. Got to get banner eighteen one of these years, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, any other final thoughts on the NBA Finals? All right. So I guess looking ahead to the off season, we get our, one of our first major stories that I'm sure you're very interested in is the idea that the Nets could be moving on from Kyrie Irving soon. Some talks about him going to the Knicks or even the Lakers, like a potential Russell Westbrook for Kyrie Irving swap. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I I just love that he's in the he's in the news and that the Nets are just done with him. I love that after a few years, it's <laughs> like I don't we don't care if it's like this year or next year. We're we're not we're we're done with you. And uh, I I just love that it blow up in his face. Even though the Celtics did not win the championship, it's still funny that they've had great success without him. Mm-hmm. And now Kyrie's on the verge of. Going to a different team, and there, yeah, there are talks about him going to Miami. I think if he goes to Miami, okay, yes, Miami made it all the way Game Seven of the East Finals, and adding a super another star with Butler, you'd think would help their team. But I think if Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving were on the same team, I think Jimmy Butler would want to choke out Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem like a great combination. <laughs> I think he would. I. So it'd be like, uh, this is not a perfect comparison, but you know how when James Harden got traded to Philly mm-hmm. and they played the, the freaking Timberwolves and, and, and they went off and they were having, they're having the time of their lives. And I'm thinking, this is like the honeymoon phase. Like, they'll, yeah, they <laughs> uh-huh. like themselves now, but then they'll, they'll hate each other when it comes to the postseason. That's, that's, I'd imagine how it'd be like with Kyrie and Jimmy Butler. Like, like they, they start out great where they're scoring all these points and they're having the time of their lives. But then when it comes to the, Actual important games in the postseason, Kyrie will do something stupid, and Jimmy Butler will have another fight on the bench. See, and- I don't even know if they'd make it that far. I mean, Jimmy Butler and <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns what, lasted until November of that second <laughs> season. So, 
Yeah, so I think you'd think it would make sense adding a star uh, would help Miami, but if it's him specifically, I think they'd actually be worse. Yeah, I I don't think that Kyrie Irving is uh, the guy that Miami should be prioritizing. They're going to be connected to literally every single player in the NBA. Apparently, their focus is on Donovan Mitchell and Joel Embiid getting them to Miami, which you know, I guess good luck Embiid with either of those. Embiid would make sense, but they have Adebayo. Well, he's, I mean, I would trade would, Adebayo they, I, I imagine Embiid. they would trade Would the Sixers trade Embiid oh. for Adebayo? Like, would the Sixers be looking to move on for Joel Embiid right now? No. Yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah, sure, it makes sense. Like, obviously, Miami would love literally every NBA all-star on their roster, but it's just not realistic ever. They're always connected to guys, and it just never happens. Um, Going back to Kyrie, what what team would want him? Well, the the Lakers. Have it'd have to be a team like, oh, my God. Yeah. Put, uh, we'd no, have it makes Westbrook sense, and just, Durant in Brooklyn, no, and then Kyrie and LeBron in L.A. No, it makes sense. It's just that Kyrie going back to daddy would just be it something. It would be. That would be the <laughs> the uh, ultimate return, like tail tucked between his legs. Yeah, I, I messed up. <laughs> Save me. <laughs> um, oh, that'd be that'd be that'd be something if he. It's yeah. it makes sense because Westbrook uh, just did not just not good with. No, uh, I mean the the Lakers would absolutely be willing to move on from Westbrook and just hope and pray that. Kyrie works out for them, whereas the Nets like, all right, we'll take Westbrook for a year, him and Durant, see if they get along again. And I don't, I assume they would get some assets, but the Lakers, they don't really have anything. I don't think they have a first round pick till twenty twenty seven. That wouldn't be a good coaching job. I mean, I know they just got a new coach, but like, it's a, it's not great for the Lakers right now, which sounds crazy because they're always gonna be a destination just because they're the Lakers, but. Yeah, they don't have a lot of assets, and Westbrook is way overpaid, and Anthony Davis is can't uh, say way healthy. over. Just can't Hasn't say healthy. He's super injury prone, April and 5th. LeBron is like thirty-eight now. Yeah, no, he's up there. He, it doesn't seem like he's a fun guy to coach at this point in his career. Yeah, so, he also has injury concerns too. So yeah, yeah. So not 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 great for LA right now. <laughs> no, no, uh, not not at all. Which is it's great for us, but. I'm I'm happy about the idea of the Lakers not being a, a contender anytime soon. But yeah, I don't know. I would think that Kyrie would find some way to make them better, but when you were the eleventh place team in the West, uh, you know, there's a lot a lot of way to go to really have that mean anything. Um Rudy Gobert rumor- is someone who's the- oh what Well, I was just gonna say there <laughs> there are uh like funny rumors about what if Kyrie came back to Boston, you know, because he has a he, him and Ime Udoka, they like that. He knows him well from uh, in Brooklyn when when he was when Udoka was there, and they need a point a true point guard, right? <laughs> the, yeah, I'd rather have the Celtics <laughs> suck than bring him back. That would never happen. <laughs> that's how much I would. That's how much I can't stand. I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't even. I would, imagine I'd rather that. have the Celtics suck. The, there's no way. But what were you saying about Gobert? So Rudy Gobert is like the he he seems like the biggest name that is expected to be moved at this point. I I think that um, both him and Donovan Mitchell are sick of playing with each other. They realize they can't win a championship together, and it seems like Utah would be more willing to part with Gobert just because he's older than Mitchell. But yeah, he's gonna be. I wouldn't want Rudy Gobert. He's on the decline. He he's he's 
He's not really that great of an offensive player. Led the league he's in field goal overpaid. percentage. I, I don't. I, I, he's like one of I the best want... defensive players in the league. I disagree. He's, yeah, I think, no, he's great defensively. I just... think that a team like the Chicago Bulls, who he's being connected to, should a hundred percent do whatever they can to get Rudy Gobert because that's he's a team. Off... Like their defense is terrible. If they upgrade Nikola Vucevic, who yeah, much better offensive center, terrible defensive center, to Rudy Gobert. I think that Bulls team can be awesome with Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, Rudy Gobert. I don't know if they'd have to trade Patrick Williams. I assume he'd have to be part of that. But I think that Chicago is one of several teams who would significantly get better by acquiring Rudy Gobert. And yeah, maybe it would suck three, four years from now at the end of that contract. But I think in the, the short term, a team like that like should be very much interested in making kind of an all-in type move for him. Yeah, I just, I just think it would wouldn't work, wouldn't work out by the end of it. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think Gobert is that great. That's all, offensively at least. Yeah, and I, I think that a lot of people just kind of overlook him because he's just a like he's not an elite defensive guy. player. Yeah, I mean he's he's not someone who can really space the floor, and I get it. He's not like a guy like Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or some of the other centers in the NBA. But I, I do think he is where he, it feels like he's one of the more underrated players in the league because he's just so easy to like overlook and make fun of. And part of it is his own doing, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any predictions for the NBA draft? Sounds like Jabari Smith is uh, becoming less and less likely to go number one overall based on the odds. It's probably, I'd imagine it's between him, uh, Shet Holmgren, and Paolo Boncaro. I yeah, I mean, that's going to be the top three. Mm-hmm. So Houston traded Christian Wood because they know that they're getting either Holmgren or Boncaro. I don't, I, I don't know who's first, but uh, I'm, I'm not a Holmgren guy. Uh, he he's like that he's like that character in Bugs Life the the stick figure guy like he's 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 so skinny he, yeah I know you gotta he, put on is, more muscle dude to, to it play is in the crazy NBA. just thinking of like how he could be against other NBA centers we said it in March Madness where like there are other prospects I'm, that he was playing really well against I I don't know he's a I'm not an NBA scout but I'm <laughs> that's not that's not a guy I would I'm take really excited to see overall. what his career turns out to be yeah you know, I'm, I'm curious he, about that too what he does. <laughs> Like, does he make like a Giannis transition and become just an incredible player by putting on some muscle? See that I can see happening, but he, I've never seen a skinnier like seven foot guy in my life. <laughs> no, I absolutely have not, and don't know that I ever will again. But he uh, he went to high school with Jalen Suggs, so I don't know if Orlando is like, yeah, let's pair them up. I'd imagine they're getting Suggs's input on. What like if if he was friends of him or whatever or, yeah, I mean it depends how much they actually value Suggs. I don't even know where he stands among all the other young players on Orlando's roster because they they just have a ton of those guys. But yeah, so that's that's really my only hot take <laughs> is uh, for the I, draft. I think it's an just, easy. One I would not want anything to, to do with him. Yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely going to be a big Chet Holmgren fan. I'm excited to see him because I feel like there's a lot of people who are just hating on him because of his size, and I like I want to believe that he's going to prove Here's what's going to happen. Wrong. He's going to be drafted by OKC. He's going to put on a show. Ben's going to talk trash to me like, "Oh, you said this guy sucks." <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds great. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> I'm just joking, but uh he could easily go number 2 though, and and that could easily happen. Yeah, I, I think that's stupid. the the most common projection, but We'll see if anything changes in the next few days. 
Um, definitely excited for the NBA offseason. I think that it's it's the one oh, I, I love one the, thing you can argue is almost better than the actual regular season. Yeah, so the Celtics, because they made the NBA Finals, I was so dug in on, on the Celtics, of course. Mm-hmm. But the Celtics, typically, they lose in the second round or whatever, and then it's kind of whatever after that. But the offseason, starting July 1st, is always amazing. Yep. Like you said, I think the offseason is probably arguably the best part of the entire year outside of like a Celtics championship. Yeah, um, oh no, it's it's always insane. We know there's going to be lots of player movement, lots of big names that could be on the go in either free agency or trade. So James Harden, I don't know what's going to happen with that situation. Oh, I mean, there, there's a lot, <laughs> lot going on. So definitely has the possibility for some exciting Exciting stuff to unfold in the next few months here. So I'm curious uh, who the Knicks end up getting because they're oh always yeah in I talks. heard that at this and point then, they're all in on either trading up to four and getting Jaden Ivey or signing Jalen Brunson, who's a restricted free agent. Like what could possibly in, go wrong? He's good in Villanova. He's good in Dallas, but hearing reports of 25 million a year like, feels like, geez, a lot. like another yeah. another overpayment for a decent player. Just that sounds like the typical New York Knicks. Yeah. I don't know. He did have a really good year this year, but I think that... Maybe Kyrie can go across the street and not move. Yeah, well, he he's somehow being connected to them. I don't I don't know what's going to happen That's because they stink, <laughs> and they're in New York. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think that they... I mean, Julius Randle, that's a weird situation for them. So, yeah, definitely going to be a lot of big names on the move, or at least we think so. A lot of big names worth talking about. We'll see. Hopefully, get some exciting stuff in the you know that time so you want to talk some stanley cup finals avalanche two sure. wins away so yeah but the lightning also bounced back big time yeah yeah i thought that uh when colorado won seven nothing in game two that oh man like this they could actually do it they could beat the two-time defending champs and then you know tampa responded big time in game three i'm not shocked they won but six to two it almost feels like they just erase any momentum colorado they- had yeah, that's where I would go with as well, is that I'm not surprised whatsoever that Tampa responded and won. But yeah, the way they won or the amount of goals they won by makes me feel like, geez, the game two, did that blowout even matter? Like, yeah. I guess not. No, Because it... they ended up winning and blowing out Colorado uh-huh. instead. And look, I think from a pure hockey standpoint, I think this is as good of a final as it gets. I think these are, uh, no question, the two best teams when you just on paper, looking just at both talent rosters. Wise, yeah. I mean, okay, Vegas would be up there, but they suck this year. So it's really just <laughs> yeah. It's it's these two teams that I would say are on paper the by far the <coughs> excuse me the two best teams. I I absolutely and, agree with that. And I don't hate Tampa. I'm just annoyed by them. Now I think yeah, I think that's and, how most people and, feel. Where it's like they're not like a super hateable team. I think that it was no, like, easy to root for them to finally get over the top two years ago in the bubble. And then last year it's like, well, they won in the bubble. Now they can win in front of their home fans, whatever. But three in a row, no one but wants no, to three see in a row, that. It's, like, it's, it's annoying. It's boring. It's not exciting. It's a, especially since it's a team that, and a, and kind of, and a sport as well, where it's like, do, do a lot of people really care about this team? It's not like the Jordan Bulls. Where, what do you where, mean? Well, like Michael Jordan's the best player and people love basketball a lot more than hockey. And, He's the best athlete. Oh, like say, okay, they I get it. Yeah, like they right. don't have a like massive personality and on their team. Not that uh-huh. there are many in the NHL, but like 
I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Steven Samkos is he's a household name, but yeah, that's like a, that's as household as it gets, though. Yeah, like for the Lightning, it's just like eh, I don't know. It's I'm just annoyed that I, I I'm rooting for Colorado, of course, and Same. I think the the difference between this series and the past two series in the Stanley Cup series is that coming into the Tampa Dallas ones, like. Yeah, Tampa's going to win. How many games will it be, though, is the question. And then same thing last year. Okay, they're facing Montreal, this underdog team. It's pretty obvious that Tampa's going to win. It's just a question of how much will we buy. This series, though, I it, it really, it's very likely going to go 6 or 7, and it, Colorado can certainly win this series. Uh, they have a much better shot than the other two teams. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think Dallas had a decent shot. I mean, Montreal didn't stand a chance. It was crazy that they made it that far but yeah um yeah this is definitely about, the biggest threat to the lightning you were talking about dynasties uh for the warriors uh the lightning if they win this series they would be up there with chicago pittsburgh you go Detroit, all the way back to way like back. the islanders in the 80s they're, they're yeah. the last team to win three in a row colorado coincidentally even them 96 in 2001. I don't know. Is that, I don't call that a dynasty. They, they, were, they had a lot of good players. That's all. I know, but they only won two championships, and it was <laughs> yeah, over a six-year so period. Prob- yeah, so actually, one thing that didn't occur to me, so um, now that Tampa won game three, there will not be a sweep in the Stanley Cup finals, 23rd straight season. But prior to that, four years in a row, there was a sweep. Wow. Yeah, 98, the Red Wings swept the Avalanche Capitals. over the... Panthers? Yeah, 96, the uh, Avalanche swept the Panthers. 95, the Devils swept the Red Wings. 97, I looked him up last night. I didn't write him down anywhere. I forget what 97 was. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, yeah, four in a row right before that. But, yeah, 23 straight seasons without a sweep. Kind of shocked we didn't get one last year. With- another another fun fact. So you pro- you know Corey Perry. Yes, well, he lost. You, 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 yeah, yeah, he was on Dallas, of course, when they lost in the bubble to Tampa. And then he was on Montreal last year when they lost to Tampa, and now he's on Tampa. So if if, so if Tampa the loses, that would winning be... three in a row, or Perry's losing three in a row. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh god, that would suck so much. If, yeah, if right. Corey Perry. But at the same time, it's like you're you're playing the NHL, you're playing the Stanley Cup, which is pretty pretty sweet. But at the same time, like that's pretty bad luck. But he's the, he's now the second player to be in the Stanley Cup three years in a row on three different teams. And Marion Hosa was the first one, and you remember mm-hmm. he was on Pittsburgh when they lost to Detroit, and then he was on Detroit when they lost to Pittsburgh. Yep, it's that like, was a wow, big that deal. Sucks. And then he goes and to Chicago and wins the championship. With them. Wins. So that's a cool fun fact. Another thing that I was watching the game yesterday, and what really sucked was I was watching the first. Uh, it was like the first period intermission. They were go. They were going to the ESPN crew with uh, Messier and Levy and Chelios, and. Not uh, one. The only uh, thing though was that Charles Barkley was there, right? Yeah. And he was asked about uh, a certain goal. Steve Levy asked him, like, "Hey, can you analyze this goal for here, Chuck?" He's like, "Well, uh, here it all started with a Jason Tatum turnover." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, come on, I we gotta relive that, that again." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I thought that was funny. Uh huh. Yeah, he was just kind of like hopping around, joining the NHL broadcast. Um, so last year the Avalanche were up two nothing on the Golden Knights, and then they lost four in a row. They're up two nothing on Tampa. It'd be tough to lose a, another two zero lead. I, I was actually looking up the, just now the, in twenty twenty. The difference they is up though, 
difference is though is that the Rangers were playing two seven game series and it was obvious that they were just completely out of gas. Colorado swept Edmonton and mm-hmm. they were fully rested and I think they're certainly more equipped and rested to handle uh ha- handle that than than New York because New York uh, it was obvious that they were just they could provide nothing offensively. Yeah, true. I didn't even think about the fact that the Rangers are also up two nothing on the Lightning. And then the, the Lightning win four in a row, right? Uh, Lightning were four in a row. Yeah. 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 True. That's They could they couldn't score. <laughs> uh-huh. Shesterkin was incredible, but if he let in like one or two goals, it was over because the Rangers could do nothing offensively. Come, come, when you combine the f- the fact that they played two seven game series, getting no really no rest whatsoever, and you have to face a Lightning team that has the defenseman that they have and the goalie that they have, that's a it recipe. Is, for it is incredible that Vasilevsky, like the uh, Tampa or Colorado, is able to score seven goals on him in Game Two. Just like him, yeah, like they it's one thing to dry. win seven nothing in the finals, but like, yeah, against Vasilevsky, all goalies. There, there were even though they were getting their their ass kicked, there were times where Vasilevsky he'd make some incredible saves, even though they were losing, uh, big big time. Vasilevsky would still make some amazing saves. Yeah, and he's awesome. Like it, what I'm trying to say is, it could have been even worse uh-huh. than, than it ended up being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but of course, Tampa responded. Now we got a series. So, game four Wednesday, when our listeners are listening to this, um, will the the Lightning tie the series, or does Colorado get put them on the brink? I guess they'll say they tie it. I think that happens as well, and I, I'm nervous. I, I don't love game that five is the two. one to be. Oh yeah, game five really, in back in Denver. Uh huh. Because game one, it was three to one, and then they let them tie it, but they they scored quickly in overtime. And then in overtime, so. yeah, yeah. I think it'll be closer <laughs> because the last two games have been really just boring uh, blowout games. But I think this mm-hmm. game will be much closer. Yeah, I think that's that's reasonable. Like a three-two final. All right. I have nothing else to add for this series, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely been, like, not checked out of hockey. Like, I've still been paying attention. I've still watched some of it. But it's been not as enjoyable since mo- the, the Penguins got eliminated. Well, our favorite in the Bruins, team was yeah, in the NBA so, Finals. Exactly. So, so we're, we're just so much more dug in uh-huh. on the NBA Finals than the Stanley Cup Finals. It's that. like Just like whatever. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it's the only thing left at this point, so it's easier mm-hmm. to commit to it, but we'll see. I'm just glad the game started at 8 instead of 9. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that was brutal. Uh-huh. Especially when they, they, it's not it even really start at 9. It's like the National yeah, Anthem, right? like and nine, then you got to introduce the players, off. and it really doesn't start till like 9.15. It's like, all right, yep. come on. Yeah. The NHL is a little better with that. So, All right, so... Let's uh, get ready to wrap this one up by talking some U.S. Open. So the speaking speaking of sports that start a little bit earlier, right? Yeah, no, it was, I mean... <laughs> like instead of eight p.m., eight a.m. Uh-huh. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. So the hundred twenty second edition took place at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. And if uh, you've seen the movie Greatest Game Ever Played, this is the site of that tournament. Louis Wilmette, the amateur played by Shia LaBeouf in that movie, wins an incredible playoff. This is basically considered like the birth of 
American golf and our ability to compete with you know Europeans. And that's where this one was held in Brookline, Massachusetts, not that far from where you live. You said going into the year that uh, this is one of your New Year's resolutions and you made it work. You were there on Saturday and I'd love to hear about your experience at the, the U.S. Open that day. Yeah, I was uh, certainly thrilled that I got to cross off one of those things on the list of uh, resolutions. Uh-huh. And yeah, so I I actually, uh, I went by myself because, so my bunch of my family and I, uh, a bunch of relatives and I met at Encore and okay. or, or stayed and stayed at Encore in the weekend casino and but no, Everett. But yeah, and none of uh, not not one relative really cared about golf. But like, I wanted to watch. I want this is the one time I'll be able to, at least in Massachusetts, uh, that I'll be able to see a major mm-hmm. in person. And I figured, you know what, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity, even though the tickets were kind of expensive. Yeah, I, I mean, still... it makes sense. It's it's a major. It's like one of the biggest yeah. events of the year. So It wasn't like NBA Finals tickets like where they're like three grand or whatever. Did you actually look but, at them? Uh, the Like the final ticket tickets? For the, yeah. Well, like balcony ones were like a thousand and then actual good seats were like, yeah, like in the few thousands. So it was absurd. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, not surprised. I, I didn't know that. If, like, if you were actually like, let me just see, just in case, if it's worth. I did look it. at it. Yeah, okay. and at the the absolute cheapest was probably like, I don't know, like 800 bucks or something. Oh wow! Okay. I took one glance at. It, I'm like, yeah, I'm not even gonna bother. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but U.S. Open tickets were still expensive. Mine. So I got grandstand tickets, which for any other sport that sounds bad to get grandstand, but for golf. It's actually it was actually really convenient because I got to sit down. Yeah, you weren't just uh, like standing. Yeah, well, so what I would do is I would walk around uh, the course, of course, because I wanted to see what everything was like. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. I didn't I didn't go to literally every single hole, but for the most part, I did. There were a few holes that were like too far away from everything. Okay. So for the most part, though, I did check out every hole and I followed certain groups. Uh, so I had the grandstand s- seats at hole number two, and what was great about it was that. If you look straight ahead, you could see the golfers hitting their tee shot. It was a par three. Okay. So you could see the golfers hitting their tee shot uh, from about a couple hundred yards away. It was a long par three. It was an extremely difficult hole. Yeah. Uh, the day I went, I think there were only four birdies out of like the 64 guys that made the cut. Like everyone was bogeying that hole. Uh, like crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, was, that's the beauty of the U.S. Open is it's uh, it's designed to be a difficult I, event I win. I'm someone that roots. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say totally root, against the players. You root for the I course. Hate, I hate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hate birdie fest. I hate uh-huh. when there are like 20 dudes hitting under 10 under par. Yeah, and it's like not even remotely difficult, especially with the skill that these guys have. But when I see these guys struggling, where it's like you're just like one one yeah, of us way more one of us way more and, relatable and as just yeah. like a casual golfer yeah hitting three putting and hitting it constantly in the bunker and and the rough uh so yeah i do i do root for the course a little bit i want but for this one for this tournament it wasn't like shinnecock where it was like completely unfair oh, everyone's yeah. hitting over par uh-huh. this tournament it was completely fair six under par was the winner for matthew fitzpatrick and so it was a completely fair course and so going back to where I was sitting, you could look straight ahead and you could see the guys teeing off at two. 
you can look to my left and you'd see the guys teeing off at number six. You could also see the the green at number five and the guys teeing off at three. So I could see four different things going on where I was sitting and it was it was awesome. I'm I'd have no regrets getting the, mm-hmm. the ticket I have. The only regret I guess is not wearing sunscreen because I had <laughs> oh, <sunburned>. yeah. <laughs> but uh it, wasn't that, it like terrible weather though? I thought so it was super in the like, beginning windy. of the day it was it was it was actually it was sunny, it was seventy degrees, it was nice, okay. it was a perfect day. Just got worse. What as I the did day though what I did though in the middle of the day was I went to the gift shop. Mm-hmm. I got a long sleeve US open shirt and First of all, I went to the when I went to the gift shop, I've never seen a store that packed in my entire life. It looked like Black Friday times ten. It was absurd. I I would hate to be an employee there. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I got a shirt, long sleeve shirt, and I wasn't expecting to wear it. Uh-huh. But because it like you said, by uh the end of the day, uh later in the afternoon, it got super windy out. It was super chilly, and I, I decided to just wear the shirt uh on hand <laughs> because it was just so cold out and I didn't have a jacket and uh, i decided to wear it and yeah it was cold out uh when it got later in the day and and because of the wind how windy it got the the guys shooting later in the day certainly struggled mm-hmm. uh we saw rom he he was in the lead at one point but then he double bogeyed and he ended up uh falling out of the tournament and then more was in first but then he had a bad round three rory and Aaron Wise, the third to last group on that day, that was the group I probably followed the most out of any of them. Rory uh, was killing me with uh, some of the putts he was missing. And then Aaron Wise, his playing partner, literally almost killed me because Wait, really? he hit a shot. He shanked a shot so bad and ended up hitting the guy right next to me. Wow. Like, I almost died. Huh. Not, I'm yeah, over exaggerating, but, like, uh, but uh, that would have been kind of cool. The fact that I <laughs> just the fact that I almost got hit by a uh-huh. ball. <laughs> is uh is something yeah i was actually wondering if you would have been in a position where like you were actually in danger so that's yeah yeah, that that was the one time didn't i didn't see the ball until it hit the guy right next to me and yeah so that was that was certainly interesting and i i thought it was a great tournament i i wish there'd be more tournaments around here because people were into it Mm -hmm. people really were into it i and i know i know like fitzpatrick and zalatoris they're not super household names but yeah i think Z- people tuned in people, people were interested is getting in, there you know when yeah, you Zalatoris finish is getting second there. in a major for the third time in your career third time and you, oh, your I'm last so name starts with a z like that definitely yeah. makes him stand out i was so crushed for him because uh-huh. I, I like will Zalatoris. i know he is the king of second place and can't win but something about him i i'm, I'm definitely a fan ever since he's been on tour and i, I was definitely crushed for him to especially that last putt on 18 yeah where it looked like he hit it perfectly and just did not just did not go in i was definitely rooting for him um i will say that i barely watched any of the u.s open this weekend i was mostly keeping up on my phone watching highlights and really the one the only part that i was like sitting down intently watching was saturday night like the last like hour or so when it was really windy and you know horrible out and all I saw was just guys just falling apart and complaining. Yeah, it it was it was definitely great because Scotty Scheffler he ended up hitting this eagle from like a hundred yards out and the the place went nuts and like you said there were a lot of guys that were struggling and falling out down the leaderboard and I I thought it was really I thought it was really entertaining. I mean I'll admit I'm obviously uh more into pga than you but 
Yeah. It also helped that it was in the area. Oh that yeah. Made me tune want to tune in more uh, into the final round, of course. Uh, no, I would obviously because it was close too. Yeah, I would have been uh, much more interested. Like if I could have actually gone, like I would have definitely taken up that opportunity. Like I think that's that would be really cool to be able to say I went to U.S. Open, even as someone who is like a pretty casual professional golf fan. Um, just that's it's an opportunity you only get so often. I know they come to the to the country club decent amount, but I don't know when they're coming back. It's probably not going to be for a while. No, even casual fans, yeah, like you said, it's only a four time thing a year, and and then when it's actually in whatever location you're in, that's not a uh, that's a, a rare opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I think because of that, a lot of people were were just that much more into it, and and then. So when I followed Rory's group, people love Rory. Yeah, <laughs> people were ch- people were constantly cheering for him, even though he was playing terribly uh, in the third round. Uh, and then there were other guys too that, um, like Rom and, and others, mm-hmm. Morikawa. But like Rory got a lot of love. Uh, so I followed, like I said, I followed Rory and his group uh, the most. Uh, I followed Bryson's uh, group for a little bit because I wanted to see what it's like up up close. To him hitting a t-shot and it's crazy how far he hits it and how loud it is and you could you could tell from even a couple hundred yards away that it's him like just given how big he is and, yeah and the way he swings it and then i i followed brooks for a couple holes too and yeah he, he didn't play well no either. no that was, <laughs> uh, yeah tough, neither of those tough guys really contended at all uh-huh. in the slightest um but yeah it was i mostly hung out at two uh for couple hours just because i had a seat and it was really nice out and i could see a lot of things going on yeah no as the day as the day went on though when it was the final groups i really wanted to catch all the action of the 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 leaderboard in person mm -hmm. no and it it seems seems like a really cool experience um so matt fitzgerald ended up winning fitzpatrick fitzpatrick ended up winning sorry yeah Mm -hmm. fitzpatrick uh, British guy, so that means an American has to win the Open Championship next month to to get back at them. <laughs> um, you, pro- I'm not, you probably know this, but uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, he won the Amateur yep. back in 2013 at the same exact course. Yep, I, uh, d- I did the, hear that. The country club. It was brought up a million times. So, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so I figured you you heard about that. Yeah. But, so, so good for him that he won. Yeah, I mean, that, that is kind of cool. So... Um, he is someone who has said he's very committed to remaining with the PGA Tour, and we've seen a lot of golfers uh, not do that. And Brooks Kepka is the latest one this morning announcing that he is jumping ship to live golf, and it's kind of tough. I don't, I don't love it. Uh, you know, like on the one hand, like I understand these guys are getting offered a ton of money, um, but it, it's not, it's not good money i mean it's coming from the saudis who are yeah you know pretty problematic government yeah killing people and on the one hand i kind of understand the argument of like well the u.s government does business with them so why is this a problem but on the other it's just like these are guys that are just i don't know it it just it doesn't feel right feels like it's easy to, to not be okay with it i understand it if you're one of these scrub golfers uh, they're probably not, not getting the crazy amount of money that the guys. But they're still getting a decent. No, they are still. No, I get it from them. But I just like I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's like life changing money. But I mean, these are guys that are they're already 
have like a, a they're already lot of great yeah like they're all like former major <laughs> even, champions even, like, like, even, even the guys that aren't that great still make a decent amount so i know i get what you're saying yeah still making well and they're like i think john rom straight up said it was like yeah my wife and i talked about it and our yeah, lifestyle like, wouldn't change by getting like, all this money so i think that there are some people who they're like yeah i'd rather not take this saudi money and just keep playing in the pga tour like this tour has made me the person i am and there are others no, like I, dustin I, johnson are just like i don't care just throw money at me and i'll do whatever yeah i liked how john ron handled it where it's like uh do i really want to play this this uh gimmicky style of 54 mm-hmm. holes like three days no cut and you're not playing the best players in the world you know and and like like you said uh for him where with 400 million, whatever the crazy yeah, number. Yeah, I think 400 million is what he threw out. I don't know. Did anyone yeah, actually sure get 400 not that million? Much, like, but, yeah, this is hypothetically, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like 100 or 200 million or whatever. Uh-huh. But, like, would, it, would that really change my life? Like, no. And I I kind of agree with him because, like, he's already, he even said himself that, like, if I were to retire today, I could and still live Yeah, he was still, life. exactly. So, I think, I mean, and, it depends on the person, you know, how they, they think about that stuff. But, and even though the majors are really the, really the biggest ones of course and kind of the only important ones there are still other other great tournaments of Mm -hmm. course and and he he talked about how having the memories of hitting uh a putt on 18th at tory pines is a memory that he'll have for forever for the rest of his life and that's not really something that he can get when he's not if you're playing on the live tour Mm -hmm. and so i can understand it from his perspective and i thought jt also had a great point where where, okay, like everyone's entitled to their own opinion, and he doesn't want to, like, he he talked about like just because DJ's going there now, uh, that doesn't mean I think DJ's a bad guy, and I want to trash him, uh, for for his decision. Like he's disappointed, and I am as well for some of these guys going, but I don't want to. I kind of don't want to trash him, but at the same time, it's like, what are these guys? Guys like DJ Brooks, Bryson, Phil, like. Do they really need to go, uh, like go there? I no, I, I kind of don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't get it from their perspective. Guys who are making, who have already made hundreds of millions of dollars, who have all these sponsors, but they're going there. To yeah, more, I, more I, millions? Agree. I, don't. I agree. I don't. I don't understand. And it, the problem is just where the money is coming from. Like that. That's yeah. that's the biggest thing. It's just easy to to rip on this league, but at the, the same the time, the risk isn't. The risk but, isn't the money. It the risk is, uh, will people look at you the same way? Oh no, uh, I get still. it. Yeah, and that's I think that's a huge thing that a lot of these golfers are going to have to deal with the ramifications. And I think it's very reasonable to think Live Golf is not going to take over for the PGA. It's not going to be around forever because all these alternative leagues historically in different sports do not work out very well. Um, but. I I don't I don't you know. like it just because look at the big names that are going to the the live golf none of them finish in the top twenty at the U.S. Open no. and you could say that okay you know they they probably didn't play well because they're getting all these questions and they're and it's on their mind constantly and that's probably partially true but I think part of it's also because these guys that are going they've made so much money that they probably just 
don't care anymore. So and- I think John Rom basically referred to it as a retirement league, saying like these yeah. guys are going to go play for a few years and then you know retire. They get to play less for more money, which is yeah, which sounds anyone great. Would, yeah. Anyone want to do that? Uh-huh. I would certainly want to work for uh, less yeah. for more money. Yeah. yeah, and like I think that there are there are plenty of critiques about the PGA Tour. That's something that I've grown to realize that a lot of these guys yeah. are not guaranteed anything for playing golf, even if they have these big followings. They you know, they show up and draw crowds and people are tuning in on TV to watch them. And if they don't play well, then they're not going to win anything. And I understand from that perspective that the live golf is like, here is a ton of money to play for us. Who cares what happened? Just go out and have fun and whatever, you know, we'll do this crazy format. And, um, I, I get it from that perspective, but it sounds like the PGA tour is already making changes to 2023 to basically recreate the live golf. But, it's not the the actual live golf. It's all PGA tour still. So they're they gonna... also had the PIP, uh, like the like the top ten get like this these incentives of uh, do you remember that program that they had? Oh yeah, year? yeah, I do remember that. Where yeah, if you finish, is it just top ten of like fans or something? Like yeah, like top ten. Of, like, Tiger finished first, and yeah. he didn't even he didn't even play. Even, yeah, he didn't was play. One. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and Phil Mickelson yeah. finished second. Yeah. Um, which is like the two people that everyone really cares about. Yeah. So this, so basically what they announced is it's going to be eight 54 hole, no cut tournaments with $20 million plus purposes, only the top 50 competing. So basically live golf, but on the PGA tour. So they're just, you know, doing whatever they can to, to get people to stay because, you know, there's as many people are going to, object to joining morally there are gonna be a lot of people who are gonna look past that and that's what we've seen you know we didn't necessarily think at first that too many huge names would jump ship and that's that's what's happened so uh definitely understand the pga tour responding and saying okay fine we'll do literally everything they're doing just stay with us <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see how that does i mean i would think that that would be a big advantage for the pga tour but i don't know if that's just uh too little too late at this point there are a lot of rumors uh, swirling uh, about Morikawa even going, yeah. And then he had to put out he had to put out a tweet saying that to I state for the that. record once once again you guys are all absolutely wrong. I've said it since February at the Riviera that I'm here to stay on the PGA Tour and nothing has changed. Now, if you excuse me, I've got some cereal to pour in my milk. I got a question for you, Corey. Have you ever poured milk? Before the cereal. pouring the cereal, no, no. I saw Justin <laughs> never... Thomas said some response to that. Yeah, him and Max Homo were like, uh, "You pouring milk into your cereal is more concerning about you joining join uh-huh. a different tour." <laughs> yeah. And I actually, I love that, and I kind of agree. Like, it is. It's a weird think... move. I've never done that I, before. I might have to try that now. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Just once, just to see if, if I like it's it. It's definitely not better. Like, I know that. I, I also don't eat cereal ever anymore. I used to eat it every day as a kid and, and, I, and basically and haven't since day, graduating so. high school. Yeah. No, I just, I'm not a cereal guy anymore. But uh, when I was a cereal guy, I always poured cereal before the milk. And I agree that it is it is problematic, him, him doing that backwards. <laughs> did he, did he, I, I was wondering if when he put that out, like, did he mean pour milk in the cereal? Or, no, or, no. Or if he actually does do that. And yeah. he actually does do that. Like, yeah. Oh, that's, okay. that's, uh, which hey, that's kind of a funny way to, to talk about it. So I appreciate that at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not thrilled, uh, about the, these guys, some of these guys, uh, 
going over. Because, I mean, look at look at the guys who are going over. Not only the guys like Bryson, DJ, Brooks, and others. Kevin Na. Uh, Kevin. Or, yeah, well, so, no, these guys, like, not only they not finish, none of these guys finish in the top 20, uh, whether they didn't play or if they did play and just sucked or missed yeah, the cut. Yeah, I mean, Nicholson missed the cut. And Sergio also missed the cut. Uh, the thing about it is that, uh, like these guys have uh, been declining, <laughs> Bryson and Brooks, yeah. and like none of these guys have had good years. DJ, he hasn't had a good year, and that that's so it's certainly like you said a, a retirement uh, thing for these guys. Yeah, I mean they're, they're at the taking opportunity to get paid regardless of how well they perform. As but at this at the same time, even though their skills or their performances have diminished this year. Guys like Brooks, Bryson, and Phil, like those are important names. They're are, huge names. They draw. Even if they're they not as good fans. as they used to be, yeah. like those are those are real draws. If if fans. they do like the match on TNT, then yes, they're obviously important people, and like that's literally all <laughs> <Yeah>. those guys. <laughs> just glad that Tiger is like, no, I'm not going there. He also is just like officially a billionaire. He's also a billionaire. Ford, so so <laughs> even if, even if you were offered a billion dollars, I don't think. It'd be smart to go. Yeah. Well, the one thing I'll say is 54 holes would probably be better for him because he can't play 72 anymore. That's a good point. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like the only tournaments that are important for him now are majors. Yeah. Um, Charles Barkley said that he would murder a relative he would, he would, for $200 he would, million. He, he would kill a relative for, yeah. <laughs> for $200 million to play on the... See, what's funny is that uh, if he were on the Live Tour and a family member... He he brought a relative to the course. Yeah, he could probably just kill him that way. I mean, <laughs> by hitting, by shanking a shot. Oh and yeah, just, <laughs> drilling uh, him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the 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 Saudis are rushing to give Barkley two hundred million to play golf for them. Uh, does, I think that'd be. Does Gronk that, play I think golf? That would be awesome though to bring to bring on Barkley. Yeah, does Gronk play golf? Is that why he's retiring? Is he's gonna go join Live? <laughs> Is that why Nick Faldo uh, also just happened to? not be on the broadcast booth anymore. I don't know if you heard about that. Nick Faldo is now no, uh, he's... on the broadcast booth. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. He's joining yeah, he's the retired. live broadcast team? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> but, they'll... But he's, but he's, go- he's done now. Interesting. Yeah, they'll, they'll... I I think it would be in- intriguing if they did decide to start pulling like famous athletes who aren't professional golfers, like Tony Romo. CBS is paying him a ton of money. Live Golf could easily top that to to get him to go play for them. We know he's a pretty good golfer. I think he's almost made the U.S. Open before. I don't know about almost. I mean, he he's played in a couple uh, tour events that he missed the cut by a dozen shots. Really? I thought yeah. I thought he had like one time where he had like a really. Oh, yeah, I think good he had one tournament where he was close. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, well, Danny Woodhead was also close. I did see uh, that he came pretty close to to qualifying. So maybe it was that that he almost qualified for. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know what to expect from Live Golf at this point, but it seems like uh, we might not be done in terms of golfers leaving the PGA Tour. You know, they now that yeah, I don't. Th- I, don't I thought Brooks so, was staying, but now that he's I don't know how. Ship, like, yeah, I don't know how many more names are going, but I, I I imagine it's not over. I imagine that there'll be still a few more names, whether if they're great players or not great players. Uh, I'd imagine that they're, it's still not over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, th- so the Brooks one, it surprised me a little, just given that 
in his press conference, he was really triggered by the question. Yeah, he like, but it was one of those things where I think at the time I was like, okay, yeah, he's staying. Yeah. He doesn't even want to talk about live. He wants to focus yeah. on the U.S. Open, he, but he never denied anything about going there. True. Like he never like shut it down. Um, so like when he left, I was like, ah, yeah, I, I guess seeing. Seeing well, that sense. quote was like feels different now than it did like a week ago. Makes sense a little bit because he only cares about majors and mm-hmm. uh, beating Bryson. So yeah, right. So he just wanted to go. You can get say competing because you could still play in the majors if you yeah. even if you're on the live tour. Yeah, because they're not PGA majors. tour events or exactly. Even you know, the PGA own. Championship yeah. <laughs> is not a PGA tour thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it makes sense from that aspect, but. Yeah, it did surprise me a little bit just given how how pissed off he was mm-hmm. by the questions. And he didn't handle it perfectly, but at the same time, I don't blame him because uh, he doesn't, at least we thought at the time, didn't care. Like, he just wants to focus on the U.S. Open, but uh-huh. who knows? Maybe he even, he doesn't care at all because his major, he hasn't been good in majors. He's, yeah, I don't know if he was the, like, if I play well at the U.S. Open, I'll stay, but he sucks, he, so. He, he's missed one cut and he's finished like 50th twice. Mm-hmm. And but like that that that's the same for Bryson. He missed the cut uh once, he didn't play in another, and he sucked in this event too. So Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really want to spend uh, a whole lot of our summer talking about live golf. Um, you know, I I don't wanna provide a whole lot of uh exposure to this league. God, I, I don't want to do that either. <laughs> I actually bought two polo shirts from a PGA tour store. And I got my dad a a new Titleist hat uh, as a Father's Day cool. gift. So I I that's where my allegiance is. I I realize I two of my favorite polos are actually Greg Norman polos, and I was like, uh, I feel weird wearing these right now. I'm gonna put them away at least for a summer, and I'll I'll uh, get some new ones from the the good guys. So and they're nice ones, the ones that I got. So definitely, nice. uh, yeah, excited to to play some rounds with them or just you know go out with a polo shirt on so right i did have a an idea of doing like a top five events we've attended in person because of the u.s open but i was like i don't have five worthwhile things to talk about i have a a red sox game on my 12th birthday where they beat the yankees but that's whatever south carolina win over georgia was really cool in the rain my sophomore year and then um Celtics comeback win over the Rockets when Marcus Smart drew the two offensive fouls on James Harden late in the game. You got to go to the Taco Fall game. <laughs> yeah, it was a Taco Fall game. It was at the Joe Johnson game, but like I, I forgot. The fact that those too. could be in my top five. <laughs> it was like, yeah, um, yeah. No only Red Sox playoff game I went to, they lost. Never been to a Celtics or Penguins or Steelers playoff game. So I've only been to one Bruins game and that was it was a win, but it was like against the, the freaking devils and what just yeah. It's like a regular season. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I've had some interesting Celtics ones. You were at uh, the Kyrie Irving got, playoff game last year. I got year. to go to the Kyrie Irving. Like the technically the fir- the first one, right? Even though it was yeah. a, like a fifty percent capacity, uh-huh. it was his first game. First game after like two years after leaving. I know. <laughs> yeah, even though it was two years and even though it was half capacity, uh-huh. I was there for that first one, him coming back. I booed him all day. I don't care if I was in the up way up there. I don't care. I I booed every single time he go. I don't care how uh-huh. childish it is for him. I'm gonna boo. Oh, I think everyone he... in the arena was doing it too. Yeah. So, and Tatum had 50 points, and that was their one win in that playoff. Uh, 
that playoff year. Mm-hmm. And then another one I went to was the <laughs> Rudy Gobert COVID, yeah, uh, which was, COVID thing, which is yeah. kind of interesting. At the time, it was whatever. And time, a few days later, yeah. it's like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun to think about. And then I went to a Celtics Warriors game this season, but not obviously not the NBA Finals. It was the regular season, uh-huh. and that's when Steph won. got hurt, right? No, Steph was Steph played, and he was. Didn't Clay he... wasn't playing yet. Oh, okay. So that Steph got hurt when they played. No, in San that Francisco. was that was that was in Golden State. Gotcha. That's when okay. he got hurt. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the one in Boston, uh, it was him. I do Dre- remember you Cl- going to that Clay- game now. Yeah. Yeah, Clay. Uh, Back in like Clay November. still wasn't playing by then, but uh, uh-huh. it, Celtics made it close. But yeah, the Warriors obviously still won. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, and then and then obviously the, some Patriots ones this past year where uh, I think the most interesting one was. Easily the Cowboys, Cowboys. won. I was going to say, there's a lot of losses. <laughs> yeah, there's like a lot of bad losses, but the Cowboys, even though that they lost, that was It was a really good game, yeah. Yeah. Now, that's probably the one of the out of the Patriots games I went through this past year that really stands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see. So Maybe... even, though I did just, even though I did a top five just now. Yeah, like, I mean, again, they're, they're just not, not great. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't worth having a whole segment dedicated to it. Exactly. So. <laughs> that, that works, so... Um, probably next week we'll comment on who wins the Stanley Cup Finals. Maybe talk a little NBA draft. Maybe have some NBA offseason stories to talk about. We'll see. Um, but definitely looking forward to talking more NBA free agency when that comes around. This, oh, for sure. Yeah, and that well, even if the Celtics probably do nothing though. Yeah, that's okay. Other teams can make moves to try to catch up to them. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some baseball talk here and there. But oh geez, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Play- the mean, Red Sox are playing. We better, have some but... thoughts on what we want to do this summer. Um, yeah, but yeah, we'll. Uh, we're definitely in a a big gap time until football season. So uh, yeah, it, for me, it's <laughs> I definitely focus on football way too much uh-huh. for June and July than I should, but can't help it. Yeah, Sealy signed Larry Ogunjobi today, so football's still relevant. Yeah, the Patriots still don't have an offensive coordinator or defense coordinator. Oh, Matt Patricia. Oh, come on. <laughs> him 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 making play calls. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's uh run the ball here. That's me eating the food. <laughs> yeah, I know that Yeah, that's a key to success. We know that uh he knows how to step up in in big games as a coordinator. I guess it'd be more uh, energetic than Bill calling plays. Like, uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's throw the ball here. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's what the play call. Can you speak up, Bill? I can't hear you. And then the play clock runs out. Yeah, it's gonna be a great year for the Patriots. Uh, I'm look, certainly looking forward to their their losing season this year. So Austin Matthews won the Hart Trophy. They just that's announced a, that. Sh- that's not a shocker. Yeah, O'Neill Cruz, another RBI. Pirates are up four nothing on the Cubs. So. There we go. They have an offense now. Thanks for uh, holding them down until June 20th, Ben Sherrington. <laughs> All right. So for my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corinne Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>